0: Hello and welcome to Beyond the Bio. Today I'm joined by Peter Neal, who is the founder and director of the Experience Bank Group. Peter is a business founder, non-executive director, trustee and board advisor, and with the Experience Bank, committed to supporting as many northeast based SMEs and charities as possible to achieve sustainable growth, create more jobs and generate maximum economic wealth and social prosperity. This is a really hot topic, something that I get asked about a lot. People want non-exec roles. They want them for all sorts of different reasons, whether it be that they want a charity role with a charity that they're massively aligned to, or whether it's to support a new and growing business or even a more established corporate company. We are going to delve into all things non-exec to find out what is the difference between a non-exec and a trustee, what kind of fees are you likely to attract for these roles and how do you snare one in the first place. Let's get stuck in. Peter Neal, I am excited to be speaking to you today because I often hear people talking about I want to be a non-executive director and I think people are drawn to the title and you know have visions that they can have this wonderful portfolio career of non-exec roles which can be true for some people and a lot of people are just seeing it as something that's quite aspirational so I thought why not get the expert in the area to come and talk to me about all things non-exec so welcome.
1: Thank you for inviting me not sure about the expert bit but we'll see shall we
0: (laughs) (laughs) you absolutely are well let's kick off with something that i get asked about quite a bit first of all which is what is the difference between a non-executive director and a trustee
1: there isn't one they are exactly the same thing if you are formally appointed as a non-exec director with a a non-charitable for-profit business you are registered at the company's house as a company's director Exactly the same applies if you are formally appointed as a trustee at a charity. So they have exactly the same legal standing, fiduciary standing, and therefore carry the same liabilities.
0: Mm, I did not know that. I always had in my head that a trustee was a charity non-exec, and a non-exec was was a, a business one.
1: Well, that is true, but they still are legally appointed Companies House Directors, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and with that comes, of course, all the responsibility of that. It is a point worth talking about, though, because, and I'm sure you've met lots of people, who are invited to join a charity, perhaps by someone they know well, and you're you're very enthusiastic about the purpose of the organisation, you're drawn into it because of that enthusiasm, and you want to help and you've got time to help and you get appointed as a trustee without fully appreciating what that actually means.
0: So that level of commitment? Uh,
1: Commitment and responsibility because, of course, when things are going well, it's not a problem. But if all of a sudden there is a governance issue or a financial issue, if the organisation, the charitable organisation, gets themselves into some difficulties, then the buck stops with the trustees, legally. And people sometimes walk into a trustee role without fully recognising that.
0: And can you, maybe not mentioning any names, but can you give us an example of where you've seen that happen? Or are you...
1: I've seen it happen on multiple occasions. Almost all of them have been situations where the charity is relatively small, the founder of the charity is running it. As they've evolved the organisation, brought on people that they know as trustees, because, of course, they have to have a board of trustees. But some of those people haven't fully appreciated what they are letting themselves in for. All with good intentions, of course, all round. But on occasions, these small charities have got themselves in a bit of a pickle and a significant governance issue has arisen and those trustees that came to help out have suddenly found themselves liable and having the responsibility to sort it out.
0: And what's the worst case scenario if you find yourself in that situation? Because obviously you are registered at Companies House and probably the Charities Commission as well. So what is the impact on someone's reputation or career themselves?
1: Yeah, I can I can talk about the reputational side. I'm less certain about either financial or legal risks, but you know, if it's a health and safety or if it's an employment issue, then the trustee can find themselves in some difficult situations that they really didn't expect to be in. From a reputational side, apart from the fact that external observers to the situation might see you being party to a failure of governance it's also just being associated with something that's failed that's not good reputationally or personally.
0: Mm, That's a great point. So thinking about those responsibilities that someone might have as a non-executive director what sorts of things can someone typically be expected to do within one of those roles?
1: Yeah, so I think it's important to make the distinction between non-exec trustee and executive. I think that's the first thing to chat about. Many first-time non-execs or trustees have to learn that the behaviours that they need to demonstrate in the boardroom are different to when they were an executive in the boardroom. Non-executives, by definition, are there to be independent providing governance scrutiny and oversight constructive challenge to the executive team hold them to account but not to do anything operational. What I see very often and especially in the charitable world is that new trustees get drawn into the operational detail which is not their role and actually becomes unhelpful for the organisation. Coming back to the situation we talked about before where your friends might be the founder of the charity and you're joining to be a a trustee of it very often early stage charities use their or attempted to use their trustees as extensions of their executive team or in some cases they actually become the management team and that again is not good governance
0: Yeah, I've had experiences, I guess, with all of my charity roles that that cover all of those things, actually, in in some way. You know, I've had a, a charity role where there was maybe one member of staff so the board became very hands-on, a a lot more than I was expecting actually. And then the other end of the scale when I was on the board at Age UK, Northumberland, where it was very non-exec actually because the charity had a huge number of staff and volunteers and had all those structures in place. So you kind of see both ends of the scale.
1: Yeah, and you know, needs must actually because you could be non-exec director or or a trustee of an organization that has good standards of governance but perhaps something has gone wrong you know maybe we've all of a sudden had a pandemic Uh, maybe there's been some significant employment issue and things have had to be escalated up to the board that's when a non-exec or trustee might well find themselves having to become operational to dive in when there is no one else left to deal with it in a fair and equitable way. And that's happened to me in a number of occasions. But generally, they are there to provide governance oversight, scrutiny, constructive challenge, support the exec team, but hold them to account. In smaller, privately-owned businesses, the non-execs are often brought in because of specific knowledge that they have, You know, helping them access a new market, helping them develop a new product... But you know they should not be going out there and making the calls to make you know uh, to arrange meetings, just to provide the benefit of their experience to help guide the exec team to achieve their objectives.
0: What kinds of salaries can people expect in these roles?
1: Well, in charities, zero. We do it for the goodness of our heart. Doesn't make the job any less challenging, and it certainly shouldn't mean you are less committed it is as I've already said a legal appointment with responsibilities in uh, commercial non-exec roles well that varies dramatically for large listed companies which is an area that I don't work with but just from what I've observed the annual fees salaries that's another point non-exec directors used to like to be paid as contractors effectively These days they should really be PAYE. But their annual remuneration, let's call it, can be tens of thousands of pounds to hundreds of thousands of pounds in some cases. Public sector, NHS trusts, organizations like that, again, you know, the non execs there will be in the tens of thousands. Smaller private companies, those sorts of companies that will have asked you to join their board to help them deliver against their strategic planning and objectives. Usually you find that's a combination of fee which in this neck of the woods in the northeast of England can be anything from you know 10 to 30,000 pounds a year. It's kind of loosely based on a day rate and a day rate can be anything from 1000 to £1,500 a day, so you multiply that by the number of days you might be expected to fulfil your role, and you get your, your annual fee. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you find non-execs joining on a either complete equity or part equity, part fee basis.
0: And do you think that that can compromise them being a true non-exec? Uh,
1: well, it certainly compromises on them being a true independent perspective in the boardroom, Yes, but some of these small companies who need the value a non-exec director can bring, all they can offer is jam tomorrow in the form of equity. So, you know, there's a compromise there Mm -hmm. for sure. But in thinking about that, you come into the subject of investor directors who are clearly on the board to represent the interest of the investor and therefore clearly can't be taking a purely independent view because, of course, non-exec directors by law are obliged to make decisions individually and collectively in the best interests of the company not any particular shareholder.
0: Great to have that distinction there. Thinking then about the time commitment what do you typically see as a time commitment for these roles?
1: Again varies quite tremendously so I'm a trustee and have been for quite a long time at the Great North Air Service. We are a very well-governed, quite complex, quite sophisticated organisation. Our board meetings, which currently last about half a day, are occurring once a quarter. And then we have committee meetings where some of us also sit, and that is also typically three or four hours, once a quarter. And that's that's when the organisation is kind of running steady state, if you like, We are purely involved in oversight, governance support, all that kind of stuff. There have been occasions where we've had to increase the frequency of board meetings because there were certain issues that the board's attention needed to be pointed at. For a period of time, we held monthly meetings. So it does vary depending on what is happening with the organisation
0: and the other thing to think about is all the preparation time reading papers which yeah you well if you're doing the job properly while.
1: it isn't just about turning up for the meetings having the tea and biscuits and nodding your head and saying well done chief exec you're doing a great job right see you next month it, it absolutely should not be that yes board papers should be very well prepared they should be presented to board directors well in advance of the meeting preferably a week To give the non-exec directors time to absorb all the detailed information and be able to focus much more on strategic issues during the meeting rather than any the operational detail. But that relies on the exec team producing the management information correctly, concisely and meaningfully.
0: So I have a theory that once you've had one non-exec role, it's a lot easier to get others because I think pretty much almost every role that I've had has been an introduction where someone said, I think you would be really great for this. You need to chat to this person. I think I've only ever applied for one. So... Whilst it's easier once you've got one, what advice would you have for someone that really likes the idea of securing a non-exec role but has never had one before and doesn't really know where to find them?
1: Yeah, just we need to take a one step further back from that because I think what's very important, first of all, and this is something that we talk a lot about in the peer group program that Experience runs for aspiring non-exec directors. What sort of non-exec director role do they want to fulfil? Do they want it in a large public sector organisation like an NHS trust? Do they want to support a very early stage business, perhaps be a little bit more hands-on? Or do they want to join a charity as a trustee? And again, you know, small, medium, large charity. Or do they want to work with an entrepreneur of a scaling SME? Because they all are quite different and require different skills it is true to say that getting your first one is the hardest and once you've got one under your belt, you appear to others as more credible as a non-exec director and perhaps have more opportunities made available to you. So, again, the hard one is the first one, which is why a lot of people choose to move into becoming a charity trustee first because they are slightly easier to obtain there are more of them mm-hmm. uh, what I would just say there is and again it's advice I'm giving out all the time in your rush to get a non-exector role on your CV don't just die for the first trustee role that comes along it's so important to do your diligence because what you don't want to do is end up in a scenario that I discussed earlier where you've joined because it was easy to do, and then find yourself in a poor governance situation, because that won't do your CV any good at all. So do your diligence first. The larger PLCs and the public sector roles are typically advertised in the national press, and you you would find that an extremely competitive scenario. Again, it's not a world that I operate in, so I wouldn't be very good at giving advice in that area at the moment. My world is predominantly privately owned companies, SMEs in the northeast of England. And those non-exec director roles don't get advertised or very, very rarely. It is usually word of mouth recommendation. You usually need to plug yourself into the right networks. Make sure people know that you're interested and available. And when they look you up on LinkedIn, make sure your LinkedIn profile communicates what you want them to see Again, this is another subject matter, but so many LinkedIn profiles are chronological histories of people rather than communicating what they can do as a non-exec director for an organisation in the future. Now, obviously, one leads to the other, but it's so important for a potential, a pointer of a non-exec director to really understand what skills and knowledge that person can bring to the boardroom and they very often aren't easily surmised by just looking at what jobs they've held before.
0: And I'm assuming that advice applies to your CV as well. So if you're thinking about applying for one of these roles, making sure your CV's in tip-top shape, that perhaps you're highlighting key achievements you've had within these roles, but also, you know, rather than just listing some skills, being really clear about how you've acquired those skills and and what results you've had within each of the roles.
1: absolutely. It's a different CV to the one you might send to find your next career position as a manager or an executive. The CV for a non-exec director is really much more about uh, skill-based. It's what you can, what you will bring, what your toolkit of skills and experiences are, and make sure that that's clear to the, the person looking at the CV. What they want to know is what professional gravitas and knowledge you can bring into their boardroom to help them make good strategic decisions. So CVs for non-exec directors should be all about that. That should be... And And,
0: and should they be focused on one particular area? Because I often, when I do see them advertise, they tend to not be generic, non-exec roles. They tend to be in a particular function. So you often see them wanting someone with a strong finance background or a legal background, for example.
1: They do, especially in the world of trustees, absolutely. But you will be coming with that deep knowledge in a particular function but you still need to be able to contribute to the strategic debate and decision-making as a board collectively. So it's important that your CV or your LinkedIn profile or at interview, that comes through very strongly. You are more than just a functional expert, you also know how to contribute to decision-making in a boardroom.
0: Mm What do you think about this trend for people to want to have a portfolio of non exec roles as they get a bit later on in their career? Do you think that's, well, how many do you think it's feasible to actually have if that's your aspiration for your later part of your career, perhaps?
1: Uh, well, m- many, many more people have that aspiration than to actually achieve it, that's for sure. It's entirely feasible, provided you build up your knowledge and credentials in a way that we've been discussing, really. And you are having the right sorts of conversations with the right sorts of people all of the time. We've already said that once you've got one or two, it's easier to get number three and number four. I would think anyone that has more than four non-exec director roles at any one time is probably not doing any of them as well as they could do. And I would suggest that anyone who has you know, 10 or 12 on their CV, they're not really behaving or operating as non-exec directors. They're probably providing more sort of board advice. Because it is it is a, a significant commitment with a significant time investment, as we've said.
0: Mm. Well, I think that uh, brings us to the end of our time. But we've covered a lot there. And I know that this is going to be a really popular episode because people are talking about this. And it feels like... A topic that people are talking about a lot and I don't know whether that's just that I'm in contact with people that have got these aspirations but I know that there's a lot of people that are certainly looking to secure an extra role. I
1: think, I think there's a bit of that, mm. you're in that space now so you yeah. see and hear it more. I think the marketplace for potential non-exec directors is, is growing as well, I think the more progressively minded owners of private SMEs recognise the value that the right non-exec director at the right time can bring so they are also broadening their minds into improving their governance by bringing in independent directors so i think the the need the market is growing there's always a plentiful supply of talent it's how that talent positions themselves that matters really
0: great thank you very much you're welcome Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bio. I say it every week, but it would mean so much to me if you would like, subscribe, and leave a review. All of those things make a massive difference to the visibility of Beyond the Bio. And I'd be super grateful if you would take the time to do one of those things. That would be awesome. Thank you.